This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. With me in the saddle, Mr. Matt Caraccio. Matt, welcome back. The 2020 positional preview shows continue tonight with the quarterback position. I'm sorry. I always keep kind of stuttering out of the blocks when you say 2020 because I keep looking around the corner and I'm like, wasn't it just like 2016, like a few years ago? Like it it just seems like time is going so fast. But you know what? The one thing that keeps time standing still in my mind, or at least time being something is this idea of this class coming up when it comes to the wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. Again, this is a really, really interesting class at the quarterback position. I'm really excited to kind of get right into it and talk about these guys. I think there's a lot of potential here. Um, I think there are some gems, um, but I do think, you know, this class is, I mean, I said it before Paul, and I'll say it again, that 2021 potential class of the Trevor Lawrence's of the world and uh, Justin Fields do loom large, but there's definitely some players in here to be excited about. No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, as an overview after I watched all these quarterbacks, I think it's an intriguing quarterback class. I think it's going to be very comparable to what we saw this year. And I, I, I think some people maybe are expecting a little bit more, but I think when push comes to shove, it's going to be kind of similar to this year. And and that's just, you know, and we're going to get into many of these guys tonight, but like I think the, the hype with Tua is going to be very comparable with what we saw with Kyler Murray. And I think, you know, Herbert, Justin Herbert is going to be looked at in the same vein, similar to what we thought Dwayne Haskins was going to be considered, but then it ended up being Daniel Jones, another guy in that top six mix or so of the draft. And then you're going to have, you know, obviously, you know, you got guys like Jake Fromm and and Jacob Eason and a couple other guys that could potentially push themselves into the round one mix, similar to, you know, at times we heard whispers this year of guys like Will Greer or Jared Stidham and stuff like that. So I do think it's it's going to be a very similar type uh, of quarterback class as this year with a couple guys who I think are going to be looked at as clear cut top 10 guys, maybe a couple other guys who could push into round one, a couple intriguing day two guys, and then obviously the usual day three guys as well. So I do think in many ways, it's going to be similar to this year's quarterback class. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't mind the comparison. I, I think that you know the difference is, is that um, for me at least, just because these guys have mostly been playing since they were freshmen, you know, I feel pretty good about what their body of work is. And I think that when it look at you know this year's class, you know, we can we can argue, um, you know, maybe we didn't know precisely what Dwayne Haskins was, right? He didn't have the entire body of work that some of these guys have. And Kyler Murray, kind of same thing, you know. I mean talking about really unpacking one year of really full year experience. So these guys definitely have a definitely a larger body of work, which makes, I think, some of these these takes that we're going to be able to, to glean from them a little bit more interesting. So, Paul, let's get right into it tonight and let's start first. We're going to go alphabetical order once again. This doesn't imply any ranking of some sort. We're just kind of going alphabetical order and we're going to kind of handle these guys in turn. So let's start right over with the South Carolina Gamecocks and take a look at the senior at six foot four, two hundred and twenty-four pounds, and that's Jake Bentley. Last year, 
He had uh, 3,171 yards, good for a 61.9 completion percentage, 27 touchdowns to 14 INTs. Paul, when you take a look at this Gamecock, what do you think about his overall ability? Because I'm going to tell you something. This guy has been around for a while. I mean, people forget, you know, we talk about JT Daniels as being, you know, the phenom, the young phenom now that, you know, Trevor Lawrence has taken over. But JT Daniels, people forget that it would have been his senior year in high school last year because he came out early. And that was the same thing that was true with Jake Bentley. He actually came in as what would have been his senior year. He came to South Carolina. So he's been on the radar for quite some time. And I think we've all been waiting for him to make that kind of that kind of transition, that kind of move into the spotlight. Paul, I mean, is he going to make that move? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's possible. I think he's one of those guys that could kind of volley either way. He could be a guy that with a strong senior year pushes himself into the day two mix. But if not, we're looking at more of a option on day three. I feel like we've been talking about Jake Bentley for for a little bit of time here because we've always been intrigued with Brian Edwards who we you know who's a guy we talked about you know in the way too early 2020 mock draft but we've talked about him over the last couple years obviously last year Debo Samuel I mean I think Bentley is an intriguing guy I think he is a guy that right now I put him on that late day two day three mix but like a guy who can volley either way like I just talked about I think he could potentially be a backup quarterback or spot starter at the next level if he continues to show growth and development this year i think he's a guy who can be a work in a pro style offense with a lot of play action and some vertical based concepts or in a spread offense where he can incorporate some rpo concepts as well because i do think he has some athleticism there's a lot of things i like about him i think his arm talent is good enough to make every nfl pro he could throw outside the numbers he's willing to push the ball vertically down the field i think he has above average athleticism to move around in the pocket he, he a guy you can move the launch point way consistently. And I think he can throw on the run when needed. I like his accuracy in the short to intermediate parts of the field. I think he still must continue to refine his accuracy vertically down the field, but I, I think his accuracy is, is good enough. I like his release. I think he gets the ball out quickly, especially when facing pressure. And I think he shows good competitive toughness, willing to stand tall in the pocket under pressure, take a hit as he releases the ball. So there's a lot of things I like about Jake Bentley. I think I'm thinking I'm looking for consistency. I think I'm looking for uh, a little bit more poise under pressure, uh, clean up the decision-making and some of the turnovers a little bit. No, I agree with you. And I think that point that you just said about inconsistency was something that really plagued him. And I think that's something that we really have to kind of take away. And we have to ask ourselves, again, if we're going to talk about this kind of problem-solver lens, we have to ask ourselves, you know, what does inconsistency say about what the player can or cannot connect to or is or is not kind of sensitive to when it comes to playing that position? I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to the quarterback position. It's one of the hardest positions in sports. So when you look at his totality of his game, you know, one of the things that I, that always stands out to me when I watch Jake Bentley is like you said, one snap to the next snap, I see a tremendous variation in terms of the functionality of his execution of that play. Sometimes it can be spot on, deftly accurate. And then the next minute it can be completely and utterly a breakdown in terms of understanding the actual coverage distribution on the field. And, and that type of inconsistency is really like you were talking about is going to lead to either a seesaw between being a backup or a journeyman or being potentially in line to become a starter in the future. And I don't know where to go yet with that, but I do know 
that if we move on to the next player right now, this is a player who, as a result of a transfer, kind of came into his own last year. And I'm talking about Joe Burrow, the LSU starter. He's a senior, six foot four, 216 pounds. Last year, he had 2,894 yards, good for a 57.8 completion percentage, 16 touchdowns to five and five INTs. And he also had 399 rushing yards for seven touchdowns. Paul, Joe, Joe Burrows, in every LSU game that I watched, seemed like the ultimate kind of manager of the team. And I know we use that as like, you know, kind of like a, like a four letter phrase to describe, to describe a quarterback, the game manager moniker. Oh my God. But that's, but that's what they are. That's what a quarterback is. You know, they are managing every element of the game. And, and for the first time, there was hope. There's hope in, there's hope in LSU that they could become a passing team. And really, I'm actually most excited for this year. I feel like they were trying to make things work last year. They were putting it together, cobbling it together as he was kind of getting comfortable and suited to that system. And now this year, I think they're going to really try to exploit what he can do on the field as a passer. You know, when I look at him, the biggest things that stand out to me is I see a guy who really honestly has the ability to alter the trajectory of the football very well. You don't see a guy who has like one speed. It's not a one, it's not a one note thrower. You know, he has the ability to alter the trajectory of the ball. He can match his routes very well. He does a good job anticipating kind of the, the trajectory or path of his wide receivers and understanding exactly how much to put on those throws to kind of give that opportunity for the wide receiver to get yards after the catch. The only problem is, is that while he had just the trajectory well enough, sometimes the ball placement and the decision making that goes along with it is a little bit suspect. And that's some of the things that hinder what he's able to do for his wide receivers in terms of the open field creating for them. Because again, I look at, you know, the quarterback position as a ball distributor. I mean, a guy who can make plays for sure, but I think that he is not by himself in making those plays. He needs to be able to put it where his receivers can make plays as well. And there are times where I think Joe Burrows does a an okay job and there's times where I, I'm I'm kind of left wanting more. So he kind of falls in that Jake Bentley category for me a little bit. You know, I gotta see more of him this year. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's right now to me he's a date for a guy who would need a strong season upcoming to potentially move up. You know, I think in terms of scheme, I think he could be their pro style or spread offense with vertical based passing concepts using his athleticism, using RPO concepts as well. Uh, I think his natural physical tools could be of a low end or spot starter, but I think he he profiles more of a backup quarterback unless we see some uh, major growth in the developmental areas. And for me, you talked a little bit about consistency. I think it's accuracy. All three levels of the field, I walked away with, I, I need to see improvement in terms of his accuracy at all three levels. I think he's got to develop better pocket presence, better poison decision-making under pressure, and and thrown with better anticipation. I think that's such a big, important trait at the next level, uh, the ability to throw with anticipation. And I think that's something I haven't seen from him yet. Uh, he's got the arm talent. I think it's very good in terms of his velocity and strength to make any throw, to push the ball outside the numbers and vertically down the field. So I think that's a positive. Uh, the athleticism is probably his best calling card right now as well. Good to very good athleticism, mobility, move around inside and outside the pocket, extend plays, uh, effective runner, especially near the goal line, could be a, a red zone weapon. 
like I said, can run those RPO concepts with effectiveness. And I like his competitive toughness, willing to take hits in the pocket or when he takes off running. So there's some areas of his game, his, his natural arm talent, his rushing and athletic ability, uh, you know, and his competitive toughness. But he needs, in terms of playing the quarterback position, I still think there's growth. He, in some ways, reminds me of a little bit better version of where Nick Fitzgerald was. And Nick Fitzgerald never really took the step in terms of the, his passing ability uh, at, at, the, at, at the college level. And I think that's kind of what we got to see uh, from Joe Burrow this year, in my opinion. No, and as we move over to the Stanford Cardinals, we'll take a look at Redshirt Jr., six foot five, two hundred fifteen pounds, Mr. KJ Costello, who last year had three thousand five hundred and forty yards, good for sixty five point one percent, twenty nine touchdowns to eleven INTs. KJ Costello has been somebody that's been on the radar now for for a long, long time, and um, you know, going back to even in his high school days, he actually emerged for me um, as an op- as as a player that. I thought really could be a great passer at the next level. And for some reason, you know, it hadn't materialized early on because the Cardinals were playing around with a lot of different uh, quarterback players, you know, quarterbacks at the time. But I, I really like KJ Costello as a, as a player. I think he has a lot of tools that he can bring to the position. Um, the biggest tool that I, I really do like about him is I really like the way he kind of works, you know, in terms of his, um, overall accuracy and his athleticism inside the pocket. I, I think there's a player who can live in the pocket there. I think his touch is good. I, I really like what KJ Costello brings to the game. The only thing I'm going to tell you about him is I really don't see an incredibly great anticipatory thrower. I really don't. Now I, I see more of an Adam thrower. I see a guy that's waiting for the actual turn of the DB or waiting for the turn of the wide receiver. I mean, there are times in the short game, you know, on slant routes and things of that nature where I do see him make passes that are on time and in rhythm. But then there are times where I think he's searching his, his footwork in the pocket. When you watch him throw, this is, this could be the system itself, Paul. You know, I mean, some systems align themselves to the quarterback's footwork. Others don't. And when you watch him throw, you know, there's no rhythm and timing between the breaks of the route and his feet. You know, typically that's one of the things I look for when I watch a quarterback. When you hit the back of your foot, the top of your drop, what's going on in terms of the receivers breaking open? And how does that translate to the quarterback kind of setting up his lines of sight and moving through his different launch points and moving along his target lines? I like to see how that kind of, that kind of symphony works. And I don't see much from him in that way. And that, that, that scares me. And that's why I'm still holding, I'm still holding a little bit of a wait and see this year on him. I want to see him become more of an anticipatory thrower. I want to see him hit the back of his, the top of his drop, hit his back foot and fire away. I want to see more conviction in his decision making. I, I don't see that. Yeah. Listen, I. KJ Costello is an interesting prospect from the regards that I think he's pretty much a day two type guy, but I think he's got upside to potentially push up into, you know, even round one, if he shows growth and development in some of the areas you just talked about, I'm not going to go into detail because his footwork, his anticipation, those are things that I had written down as well. I think at times he's got to keep his mechanics a little bit cleaner, his ability to play under pressure and going through progressions are all things he's still got to work on, but he's got the natural size. He's got the natural arm talent. I, at times I've seen him throw with touch. He can make the NFL throws. I think his accuracy, his decision-making, and his athleticism to move around inside the pocket is all functional. 
I think he's a traditional pocket passing quarterback and he's got the size and the stature that NFL teams look for with enough mobility to move around the pocket. He, he can, he can deliver any type of NFL throw outside the numbers and vertically down the field. Um, and I think I want to see him just continue to uh, be a little bit more consistent in some of those areas and show growth and development in the things that you were talking about. I think those are the things that are so important for him. And if he does it, I do think he's a guy who could push his way to be an intriguing late round one quarterback prospect, but he's got a lot to, to work on this year to get there. No, I, I agree very much so. And and Paul, I'm going to ask you about the next guy because I'm going to leave it open to say to you, can we can we put a wait and see tag on this guy for sure? Because the next player I'm talking about is Washington Husky Redshirt Junior, six foot six, two hundred twenty five pound, Mister Jacob Eason, the 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 crown jewel of his incoming freshman class when he was in high school. He was considered the crown jewel of quarterbacks. Paul, his last action, though, was in really in 2016 when he threw for 2,434 yards, uh, 30 yards, excuse me, with 55.1% completion percentage, 16 touchdowns to just eight INTs. We remember that fateful year because another quarterback on this list promptly took over and ended up becoming the starter. Can we can we table Jacob Eason? I mean, what can you tell us about him? Is he really more of a wait and see guy because we got to see what has happened in terms of his growth because everything could change. Yeah, he is a check the box prototype of what he is right now. But we have to see that translate to on the field in game settings. So he's got all the tools in the world to be a round one quarterback prospect. You know, if he never played it down more in college football, he still might be a day two prospect right now because of the intrigue with his natural traits, with his physical capabilities. But this year will go a long way of determining, does he become a round one quarterback? Or if he doesn't show what they want to see, he could fall all the way to day three or, you know, or maybe not even come out, you know, because he's a redshirt junior and he might, you know, stay another year. You know, when you look at him, he's got the arm talent, and the ability to deliver any throw anywhere on the football field. I think you can almost classify his arm talent in the great category in terms of his velocity and strength. I don't think anybody would question that. His ability to push it down the field, to attack the seam outside the numbers. He's a traditional pocket passing quarterback. I think he's got good clean mechanics. I like his release. I think he, you know, in the limited time, a couple of years ago, at Georgia, I thought he showed the ability to go through progressions. If he was given time inside the pocket, I like his competitive toughness. He's willing to stand tall in the pocket, but the accuracy is a little bit of a concern. I think that's something that we have to see better consistency on the footwork, something that's so important for the quarterback. What you talked about on the previous quarterback, he's got to show more ability to be throw a better anticipation. I think he's got to show the ability to take something often and throw a touch when he needs to. Reading defenses, reading coverages, showing that he's capable to have some mobility, which I think is so important at the next level right now, and playing under pressure. He's got so much he's got to work on still because he just hasn't seen game action. But the natural tools are so intriguing. 
is why he's considered a potentially future first-round pick. But right now, I'd probably classify him as a day-two guy and kind of see what happens. I think he definitely would have to be in some kind of offense, a pro-style or spread offense with heavy emphasis on vertical-based passing concepts. I think that's where he shines. I think he has the potential to be a starting quarterback, and I think he's probably going to get that opportunity at the next level. But we got to see what happens this year. Yeah, no, listen, he's the quintessential put him first off the bus type of player. You know, you want him walking off the bus with the football and spinning it in the palm of his hand. That's the guy that you want coming off the bus first. But long story short with Jacob Eason is to your point and what we've already talked about, he's got to show it this year. We we have to see what it is. And, and, and I think that this year, the biggest thing that I've kind of gravitated more, and this is why I have to see it, quote unquote, is because we talk about problem solving. We talk about anticipate, anticipation, play speed, touch, all of these words, touch, anticipation, play speed. These are all very, very um, loaded phrases that talk about their ability to process everything on the field at once. The trajectory of the wide receiver, the intersection point between that and the defender, the coverage distribution, the time, the distance managing options and goals. Are we going for the touchdown? Are we going to try to go for just a first down? Are we going for a completion? You know, all these kind of multi-sensory and multi-informational processes, we've got to see that from the quarterback because it only gets worse at the next level. And we haven't seen that yet from Jacob Eason. So moving on to the next quarterback, I'm actually really excited about this kid. Um, not because I think he's a slam dunk starter, um, but I just have seen growth every year from him. And I'm talking about Sam Ellinger. We're talking about the Texas quarterback. The junior is six foot three, 235 pounds. And last year he had 3,292 yards, good for 64.7% uh, percent completion percentage, 25 touchdowns to just five interceptions. And he rushed for 482 yards and 16 touchdowns. Um, he is an absolute beast. I mean, there's not much else that we can say about Ellinger. I mean, in terms of his production levels, in terms of his actual tools, traits, and what he does well, Paul, I, I think he does the processing part of the game pretty well. I don't think that he's perfect. Um, I do think there's times where his accuracy and anticipation do need um, some work. But in terms of handling the moments and handling the game, I've seen nothing but growth from him over the last couple of years. Can you talk a little bit more about Ellinger and probably where he fits and you know what we're hoping to see maybe this year, what we need to see more of? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, at times I watch this guy play and I, I get a little bit of a Tim Tebow, you know, vibe yes. from him. And that, that's kind of what I get from him. Like, I think he's the guy that right now I'd put as a guy that could intrigue NFL teams late day two, day three type prospect. I think he is a guy that scheme fit wise. We're talking a guy who should be in the air raid, the spread up tempo. I think he's better when he, when he's up tempo and playing with tempo RPO and zone read concepts. I think he's a backup quarterback with the upside to develop into a spot starter or low end starter things that he does. Well, he's got the size frame quickness, strength and mobility inside and outside the pocket to extend the play consistently. That's one of his traits, his ability to keep the play alive 
whether he's inside the pocket or outside the pocket. I think he uses athleticism plus his strength and toughness to be a weapon rushing the football, especially in the red zone and near the goal line. So we're talking, like I said, that Tebow factor of being a, a weapon near the red zone. I think his arm talent is, I would probably classify his velocity and strength as very good to make NFL throws outside the numbers or vertically down the field. I like his accuracy in the short to intermediate parts of the field when targeting his first read. Things that I think he's got to continue to work on. I think his mechanics and release and his footwork are, are, are functional. I think he can get a little bit better at them and show a little bit more consistency there. But the th- the main things is accuracy vertically down the field. He's got to show the ability that when he pushes the ball vertically down the field, he can be accurate in it. He's, again, what you talked about multiple times already tonight. He's got to show that he could be a more anticipatory, uh, anticipatory thrower and show that he can throw with touch, that his pocket presence has to continue to improve. His ability to mentally process what's going on in the football field, going through progressions, the poise and decision-making of playing under pressure, all that stuff that it takes to be a high-level quarterback at the next level, I don't think we've seen with any type of consistency. I'd put most of those in terms of developmental areas and or concerns for Ellinger, but his raw athleticism, his arm strength, his, his he's got a little bit of that it in terms of just making a big play. He could be one of those guys that just turns out to be a great college quarterback but might not translate to the NFL but there's a lot of there's some raw tools there that really kind of excite me and the NFL is changing a little bit in terms of you know what what they used to only want to look for at certain positions that maybe Ellinger's got a shot and I think this year if he could show a little bit more I just don't know if he's going to be an opportunity because in college his job is to win football games move the chains score touchdowns and I feel like he's not going to stay in the pocket much longer and go through progressions and, and show that mental processing. So I think he's probably just going to take off and run. And it's going to be very, very challenging for evaluators to know if that's something he could do or not. And I think that's what makes him a very hard eval in terms of transitioning to the next level. Well, I hate everything you said. Okay. So we're going to move on now. No, 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 no. I I don't disagree with you. I don't think Sam Ellinger is a, is a game set match uh, person in my book as somebody who I see as an NFL quarterback, but I do see some things and intriguing things that I like. um, And I'm excited to see how he progresses this year. He just, he stood out to me as a very, very much a, um, a, a big play type of quarterback when the moment was, you know, when the lights were brightest, he was a guy that was making all those plays for that team. So I guess that's kind of what sticks out to me in my mind. And as we move on to the next player, I mean, he really, when it talks about making big plays or being the guy that stands out in my mind about a team, it's hard to ignore that Jake Fromm from Georgia, the junior, six foot two, 220 pounds. I mean, he is the player that stands out when you think of big plays. Playing quarterback in Georgia, you're talking about about one of the biggest teams in the country. This is a guy that everybody is clamoring, but yet he's such a polarizing figure when it comes to this position. Last year, he had 2,749 yards, good for a 67.3% completion percentage, 30 touchdowns, and six INTs. You know, I mean, statistically, I don't know what people want. Because like, there's nothing wrong with that. And you're going to say, oh, it's the system in the short passes. I, I say bogus, dude. You got to be able to throw the ball 
and you have to be able to complete passes, period. You have to be able to throw the ball, and you have to be able to complete. Yes, systems can create opportunities. I understand that. But he still was more more than um, above average in the category of producing for his team. But when you break him more down into to kind of more intimate detail, Paul, I'm going to let you have first dibs on this guy. What do, you, what do you think of Jake Fromm? Because he is a very polarizing figure. Yeah, now listen – Jake Fromm is a guy who I've gone on record on Twitter in in passing, maybe at previously on Saturday or Sunday when talking about him. I think he's a good prospect. I I stopped short of calling him a very good or great or elite prospect. And what I mean by that is is I'm not ready to say Jake Fromm is a leave school early top ten pick in the Bucks. Do I think he can be a round one pick? Sure. But I think he's more if if right now I'd be I'd be saying more late round one, top ten picks in round two type player than I would be saying top ten in in round one. And that's just right now, I think he's pretty good at a lot of things, but I do think he leaves you wanting a little bit more in some areas. And I hate to even use this terminology, but it's going to be used a bazillion times with Jake Fromm probably between now and whenever he does declare. He portrays himself as a game manager, and there's nothing wrong with that. It, It has this negative connotation, and I don't think it should, but it does. And I think what people mean by that is if you ask him to run whatever system you want to run, he could be very efficient at it. He can be very good at it. He could be a winning quarterback, but he's not going to do anything that kind of blows you away. He, he's not, he, there's nothing about his game that's going to like, you know, that's going to leave you, you know, jaw dropped talking about it like the, the following day. He doesn't have that elite arm talent. He doesn't have some crazy athleticism. He, you know, he, he barely meets the thresholds in terms of like his size and frame. And I know we're moving away from old school thresholds. So I'm not going to sit here and say that's the reason why he won't be a top 10 pick. Obviously, Baker Mayfield and then Kyler Murray, you know, have proven that that, that, that is no longer something that should be relevant when we're talking about how high of a, of a uh, pick should be used on these guys. So, so that's where I kind of sit with from. I think he is a pro style or West coast timing based type quarterback. He can run spread as well. I think he very much functions better in the short to intermediate range. I think he's a starting quarterback at the next level. I already said, I think late round one round two, uh, the things I'd like to see him improve upon this year, his accuracy of ball placement vertically down the field and outside the numbers and handling pressure a little bit better. I thought at times in big spots, uh, he was a little bit rattled under pressure. Love his accuracy in the short to intermediate parts of the field. I think his arm talent is probably just average. And I think that's probably what I, I talked about. Nothing about him stands out or is sexy, but he, but he has enough to make every NFL throw. He can push the ball vertically down the field if needed, but he's often very risk averse. He doesn't seem to ever really want to put it in too much of a danger zone. And I think at times in the NFL, you have to be willing to push it, you know, in between two defenders, you know, and make a little bit of a riskier throw, you know, to potentially uh, reap the benefits. I think he's comfortable and consistent throwing the slants, the crossers, drags, back shoulder throws in the short intermediate parts of the field. His touch and anticipation, something we've talked about tonight. I think that's where he shines. That's probably two of his best areas and best attributes. His leading receivers nicely to make plays after the catch. 
he does have that mental processing, the decision-making to minimize turnovers and allows him to get the ball out quickly to his receivers. So there's, there's stuff to like about him. There's a lot of stuff to like about him. And there's also some stuff that, that leaves me a little bit reserved in my level of excitement, if that makes sense. No, I think that makes perfect sense. And I think you kind of couched him pretty well. And I, and I think that part of me sees like a little of that Mitchell Trubisky in him. And, and I, and I, the reason why I kind of feel that Mitchell Trubisky vibe is not because they're the exact same player, but in terms of where they win, um, on the field as a passer, that's kind of what I see a little bit more from him. I do think that Jake Fromm has a little bit more in terms of the anticipatory, anticipatory side of the ball. I do think that he has good mental processing. I think he's going to flourish at the NFL level. I think a coach is going to see him as an extension of the staff on the field. And I think that's where they're going to say, Hey, Alex Smith clone. I think they're going to say, Hey, you know what? Go out there and let's put all those playmakers around you and just do me a favor and get the ball to those playmakers. And he's going to go, yes, sir. I'm ready to go. And he's going to go out there and he's going to be able to distribute the football and get it to the playmakers, which is ultimately, you know, how you win. And I'm not saying that for me, I think there's going to come a time when we're going to look back on the Alex Smiths of the world and we're going to say, you know what, Alex Smith, he gives you a chance to win. You know, and the, the way the game's changing in terms of space and how we handle space, I think the game manager connotation is the next kind of uh, sacred cow, so to speak, that we got to slaughter because, you know, that's the last thing that we have to get rid of. Game managers are, are really something we should be actually trying to um, trying to get because those players are the players that can distribute the football to the playmakers. So go out there and draft those high end wide receivers, receivers, those amazing running backs, those multi talented, diverse tight ends and get yourself a game manager, a guy who can throw the ball and distribute it to the talent on the field. Because you know what? Quarterbacks win games. I'm not saying that they don't, but a lot of what I think the quarterbacks win the games on is in, is in terms of understanding the information on the field and how they can exploit it and how they can take advantage of it in time. I don't think Tom Brady is, as, is a successful quarterback because of his physical traits. I think it's more of a collection of the way he's calibrated what he can do physically to his outstanding acumen for the game. And I think that that's something where Jake Fromm could potentially take that next step. And I think those are the guys, if you're not going to have Kyler Murray, you're not going to have Russell Wilson, you're not going to have you know Aaron Rodgers, well, then you know what? I think Jake Fromm's going to put you in the dance most years. And I think people are going to say, you know what? We'll, we'll take him at the end of round one or beginning of round two. So I'm right there with you, Paul, overall. I, I think the, 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 the headline for him isn't game manager. He's a bust. I think it's going to be, why not the game manager? We have all these amazing players around us. Let's get him. Let's get him and let's, let's build with him. But that's diametrically different than I think what people will be thinking about the next player. And that's Justin Herbert. The Oregon product is a senior. He's six foot six, 233 pounds. Last year, he had 3,151 yards, good for 59.4% completion percentage, 29 touchdowns to only eight INTs. Paul, I mean, what do you say about Justin Herbert? I mean, you're talking about really everything that you want, you know, Jacob Eason to become. Is that fair? 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I think most people thought Justin Herbert was going to leave school last year. I think if he did, I think he'd probably be the quarterback of the New York football giants right now. There were a lot of whispers that they were very enamored by Herbert's skill set. You know, he decided to go back to school. I think he's going to get an opportunity to play with his brother there. So that's exciting. Listen, I think in terms of his projection, I think he's going to be a top five, top 10 pick. That's what I believe. I think the NFL is going to love this guy in terms of his overall makeup. Does he have some things to work on? For sure. But I think, you know, if we've seen a guy you just brought up, Mitchell Trubisky, you know, Daniel Jones, these guys, you know, went third overall, sixth overall. Justin Herbert's going to get him, put himself in a position to be a top 10 pick, probably a top five pick. He's going to be looked at probably as a franchise type quarterback. Spread, air raid, use of up-tempo, RPO concepts. Those are where he kind of naturally fits at the next level. Does he have some things he should work on? Yeah, clean up his footwork a little bit, decision-making and poise under pressure. I think he has to show growth in that area. Even some accuracy while under pressure, I think he he can he can improve upon some pre-snap adjustments, which I think are important at the next level. Shows fully durable and reading coverages. Those are all some areas he can work on. But his arm talent, I, I would classify it in the great category. He can make every NFL throw outside the numbers, vertically down the field, in between two defenders. I like his ability to throw with very good touch and anticipation to lead his receivers. So he does show that part of the the game as a quarterback. I think he's got an above average to good accuracy to all three levels of the field. Maybe the number, the completion percentage number didn't really match that, but I think over his time at in at Oregon, uh, we saw that accuracy is above average to good. I think his athleticism and mobility to move inside and outside the pocket to extend the play and playoff structure is good. And I think that's another check mark. And I think he has the movement skills to regularly move the launch point, use design rollouts or bootlegs as he is comfortable throwing on the run. I think he checks off a lot of boxes you're going to want to see. And even the areas I want to see development and growth, I think that's okay that he has some of those areas. I don't think he's a finished product yet, but neither was Mitchell Trubisky. Neither was Daniel Jones. That didn't, that didn't stop these guys from being really early first round picks. And I think Herbert is far ahead of those guys uh, right now in terms of his NFL picture and his NFL, you know, uh, grade or whatever you want to call in terms of him transitioning to the next level than Trubisky or Herbert was prior to their final years in college. Yeah. And I don't disagree. I think Herbert is really the, you know, one of the classes, you know, one of the class of the class, so to speak. And I think that he's definitely one of those players that I would put in that category as we spoke about this class in general um, as, as being franchise players. He's one of those guys that can be a franchise quarterback. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I don't really have anything to add to what you said, but I do think that, you know, when we talk about this class, I mean, he's one of the names that immediately comes to mind as a franchise quarterback. Um, so I, I think let's go through another two names. And then we'll come back with, uh, you know, with our next episode. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of keep it going there from there. So let's go on to Oklahoma and let's take a look at the senior six foot two, 218 pounds, the former Alabama roll tide national champion. Jalen Hurts will be making his debut for the Sooners this upcoming season. And although it's not officially decided, I'm not sure if it's officially decided, but I think it's pretty gosh darn close. Jalen Hurts will likely probably be the starter out of the gate. And Jalen Hurts is really a player that offers a very intriguing blend 
of everything you're looking for if you were to kind of build in a laboratory, you know, kind of the prototypical kind of modern quarterback. The problem is, is that we don't have a great read on him, so to speak, as a passer, a lot of inconsistency. I mean, last year in 2018, he had 765 yards, good for a 72.9% completion percentage, eight touchdowns to two interceptions, and he rushed for 167 yards and two touchdowns. You know, Jalen Hurts, I mean, I keep going back to his his days as a starter in Alabama, and I mean, what do you say about Jalen Hurts? I mean, he was not a very accomplished passer. He was a deep ball person. He was somebody that pushed the ball deep. He used, he challenged defenses deep with his arm strength, but he never showed the accuracy. He never really showed the poise in the pocket to really kind of become that passer that they were looking for. But there was absolute growth from that year to the following year. And there was opportunities abound in many people's minds for him to just kind of take the job and run with it. And unfortunately it came, it came to the national championship and, you know, Nick Saban made a decision and the rest is history. Um, but I, I don't think we should deter that. We should deter how much growth we saw from Jalen Hurts in terms of his ability as a passer and what he could bring to this Oklahoma Sooners offense to, to really Lincoln Riley, who's incredibly skilled at maximizing the traits of his quarterbacks. I mean, Look at the, look at the pedigree. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts fits exactly in my mind the type of quarterback that Lincoln Riley wants to work with. And you could say, well, those guys were way better passers than him. Yeah, but he wasn't a terrible passer in Alabama after year two. I mean, like his, his, when he was, he got better in his second year. I mean, he really did. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there before we begin to say he's terrible as a passer. I mean, Paul, am I, am I, am I wrong? Am I way off? No, listen, when he came in and he salvaged that game against Georgia this past year, you know, he showed some growth and development, but I think it's more in, more in like a spot starter backup type way. I think it's when his ability to play off structure where he really utilizes athleticism going through his first read. You know, when I look at him right now, the body of work he's put, and we'll see what he does at Oklahoma and if he could change this narrative. I look at a guy who would be more of a practice squad or third string type quarterback. And then I put with a, with a potential position switch at the next level, because I just think he's a good football player. And I think that I think NFL teams might find a, a way to utilize his skill set in a different way. Taysom you know, Hill. Yeah. Like a Taysom Hill, you know, if he is a quarterback, I think we're talking air raid or spread RPO and zone read concepts. I think we're talking about no matter what a guy would be taking on day three. I think why I don't know if he's going to make it at quarterback is accuracy concerns at all three levels going through progressions and not just attacking his first read decision-making his footwork, his poise under pressure. I think those are all legitimate developmental areas and concerns for him. So yes, he's got the athleticism. He's got the rushing ability. I love his toughness. I love his mobility, his ability to extend the play. I think he could throw on the run or playoff structure pretty well. I think his size and frame are, are fine. I think his arm talent is functional to push the ball vertically down the field and his velocity and strength. I even think he throws sometimes with good touch. And I think his mechanics and release are, are fine too. But there's just so many other, the, the, the components that I think are so integral and important. I just don't know if he could get to a functional level with the accuracy, the progression reading, the decision making, you know, and the footwork. Those are things that I, I'm not sure he can get 
to the level he needs to be considered a serious quarterback prospect. But maybe it's maybe we would have seen more of that if it wasn't for Tua. And maybe he's going to get that opportunity at Oklahoma. So listen, I'm rooting for him. I hope he, I hope he does stay a quarterback. You know, he's a fun dual threat type player. But I, I do think he's an NFL player. I just don't know if it's going to be at the quarterback position. But I think we'll get a we'll get a we'll have a much better feel watching him if he's the starting quarterback for Oklahoma for all 11, 12 games, you know, when we see him throwing the ball 25, 30 times a game there, I think we'll get a much better read on whether or not, you know, he can do that at the next level. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. And in, in somewhat of an homage to Matt Waldman, you know, I'm going to kind of put it this way and say that, you know, he has a cupboard full of very fine ingredients of the highest caliber that he can choose from. It's just integrating it to actually make a meal, to actually execute a play is something that he hasn't really showed the capability to do on a consistent basis. And that's something that we have to see this upcoming year. So we move from one dual threat quarterback to potentially another dual threat quarterback. And I'm talking about to Eric King of Houston. He's a senior. He's five foot 11, 195 pounds. Last year, he had 2,982 yards, good for 63.5% completion percentage, 36 passing touchdowns to six INTs. He rushed for 674 yards and 14 touchdowns. Paul, I'm going to tell you, Derek King is somebody that's new to me in terms of watching film on him, so I have not seen anything of him yet. So why don't you break down for us what you think of Derek King? He he was one of two quarterback prospects that I got most excited in terms of watching based on not knowing much about them or what to expect. And maybe it's coming off of watching Kyler Murray and all of that went into that this past draft season. But King got me a little excited. He really did. You know, there's a lot to like about his game, his athleticism, his arm talent, his accuracy, touch, mobility, rushing ability, extending the play, throwing on the run, playing off structure. You know, I I, I came away impressed with all of that. Like, I think his arm talent is good. I think he, I think he can make every NFL throw. He can push the ball vertically down the field or outside the numbers. I liked his accuracy to all three levels of the field. I thought he threw with very good to great touch and an understanding of when to change velocities of his passes. I thought he showed great to elite athleticism and rushing ability for the position to make plays with his legs on design runs, OPR, OP, OPR. RPOs or when the play breaks down, his athleticism and mobility to consistently extend the play, playoff structure, and throw on the run when needed. So there's a lot to like about his game. Obviously, again, it's not a death nail, but the size and frame are at least something to acknowledge. We don't have a lot of five foot eleven, hundred and ninety-five pounds guys playing in the NFL, but we have Russell Wilson. We now have Kyler Murray, who we're gonna see how he translates. Drew Brees. We have Drew Brees, so we have some guys. But obviously, it's something to still at least acknowledge in his game. Uh, level of competition wasn't fantastic, you know, for who was used to him was facing. He's got to show he's durable to, to be able to withstand the rigors of playing the position. His poison decision-making under pressure and his footwork could be cleaned up a little bit. You know, but besides that, there there was a lot to really like about his college film that I said I think he's a backup quarterback, but I think he's got some upside to develop into a starter in the right scheme fit. I think that scheme fit would be some type of air raid spread, up-tempo, using those RPO and zone read concepts. Uh, I think he could be a guy that if he has another 
season similar to what he just so uh, had. I think he could be a late day two guy. I think it's more realistic. Probably I think he's a day three type guy, but but he's an exciting and fun player to watch. And I, I really had a blast kind of watching him and just wondering whether or not this is more the wave of the future a little bit at the quarterback position, uh, a guy like this. Well, that just about wraps it up for our part one of our quarterback positional preview show. Paul, any any final thoughts on this class as we begin to kind of close it out and look forward to another kind of packed episode of quarterback understanding? No, not really. Just, I mean, again, if, you, if you're enjoying these shows, guys, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, if you're liking the content that we've been doing here on these positional shows, you know, please consider uh, when the new series of premium notebooks come out to purchase it and give it a try. If you've never have, if you have in the past, uh, we hope that you continue to buy it. You know, you get all these notes, everything we're talking about and more in the 2020 scouting notebook. We have a fantasy spin, you know, which kind of, you know, Know, talks about what their upside could be at the next level in terms of the fantasy capacity. It really breaks things that breaks things down into a little bit more detail than we get opportunity to go into on the podcast. And it's something that evolves and updates and changes. So how I feel about a player right now. I mean, the quarterbacks, I'll just say there, the quarterbacks is going to be a lot of changes. You know, watching Jalen Hurts for an entire year is going to make potentially make me change aspects of what I think about him. You know, Jacob Eason finally getting an opportunity to play is going to give me a lot more film to watch on Jacob Eason, which is probably going to change his profile. So these are just our notes from what we watched on these guys prior to this season. They evolve, they update. Some of it's during the year, some of it's at the end of the year. Some new quarterbacks come out of nowhere that we add to the mix. So that's the thing, that's the beauty of the scouting notebook. It's why we constructed it as it is that it's a living breathing document and it's not stale as soon as you know you know, it comes out because we understand that it's an evolution a lot of adapting a lot of developing happens in their potentially final year in college and we have to kind of stay up with that and and make changes and update the, the the notes as we go so that's the biggest thing but that's what makes it you know such a worthwhile uh purchase to see our takes early on and then see kind of how uh, they adapt and change over the course of the, the college football season. And then obviously the pre-draft months. No, absolutely. And, and to echo what Paul said, absolutely something to consider as we move forward. Um, it's things that we've gotten a lot of positive feedback about, and you know we're going to keep building off the suggestions and the ideas that we've people have shared with us. And I think it's something to look forward to. So I'm really excited. So behalf of myself, Paul and our sound and tech engineer, David Nakano, Thank you for joining us, and please join us next time as we take on part two of our 2020 positional preview shows at the quarterback position. Please join us next time as we take you from Saturday to Sunday.